Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Jesus is the one who lived his very life every step in obedience to the Father. But he's also the one at the same time who lived in servanthood to his creation. He was the ultimate king on a journey to the throne. But the amazing thing that I want to see here today is that every step that Jesus took on earth, it truly was to establish more than we ever could have imagined. That in every step that he took, starting from from birth unto death, but especially when we're looking at what we call Holy Week, that there were some very specific moments that Jesus would walk through that were meant to show us a greater reality in our lives right now than we ever could have without him. You see, Jesus needed to do nothing to establish his identity. He is, he was, and he always will be the king. His throne was secure. But he knew that there were steps that he needed to take to restore us out of our sin and out of our shame to become what 1 Peter 2.9 says, that we are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. This is what Jesus was bringing us into, and this was through his ultimate sacrifice. But this morning, what I want to try to do in a short amount of time is to be able to recognize the fact that Yes, the ultimate sacrifice was Jesus dying on the cross. But it wasn't the only sacrifice that Jesus would have given in that time. The ultimate sacrifice was Jesus going to the cross and paying the price that we never could. But when we look through Scripture, what I believe it shows us is that there were deaths that were being died even on his way to the cross. We're going to read today out of Matthew chapter 26, because I want us to see that as amazing as the words that Jesus spoke were, and they were incredible, the lessons that he taught, the messages that he preached, as incredible as the miracles were that he performed, and they were awe-inspiring, and that's what we are called to go after and to walk in, that there were decisions that he made along the way that he did so, knowing that we as humanity— needed to know that we had a savior and a friend who was not absent, who was not distant, who wasn't unaware of the challenges that we would face, but would walk through them, and in doing so, would give us victory over them. Today, as we go through this, I, I, I don't believe that in some parts this feels like a really edifying message. And so what I want to ask on the front end is that you would see the victory that Jesus won for you every step of the way. That as we read this story, as we read these last moments of Jesus on earth, that we would recognize in them that it is more than just a story we talk about in church. But it was the very acts of a savior, of a king, who would lay down everything for each one of us. We celebrate today not just his death, but his resurrection. We celebrate that he didn't just give everything on the cross, 
but that he did so knowing that there was going to be a time that he would raise again to restore us back to that perfect place of relationship with him. But before he got there, there were some challenges that laid ahead. Matthew chapter 26, verses 1 and 2, we read these verses and they don't really stand out to us very much because we know the story. We know what Jesus walked through. So when he says uh, in verse 2, you know that after two days the Passover is coming and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. Once again, this isn't jarring to us, but I just want to ask the question, what would his disciples have felt in that moment when they were hearing Jesus talking about being crucified? Now, this wasn't the first time that Jesus had spoke these words to them. It was the third time that we know about in Scripture. But when we see their response, we realize this wasn't fully sinking in yet. They didn't fully understand this. How could this be true that my Savior, my God, and my King is going to give up his very life? You see, Jesus would have been aware of their thoughts in this moment. Jesus would have been aware of the disappointment, the questioning, the feelings of, why and and no way jesus this isn't going to happen he would have recognized all of these things and sometimes i don't think that we recognize that do you know that jesus in this moment very likely felt the pain of letting his friends down now was he actually letting them down no of course not but in this moment of speaking these words to his disciples What must Jesus have been feeling when he was speaking to them? These men that I had invested my life into, that I have walked with, that I have stood beside, that I have empowered. They must be feeling a certain kind of way right now. They must be feeling a heaviness and a brokenness. But when Jesus walked through these moments, when he walked through this place of recognizing their pain, what Jesus was doing was he was overcoming something in that moment. He was overcoming the expectation of man. The disciples would have expected one thing. Jesus was saying something else, but I don't think Jesus would have been unaware. And I believe that as he continued down this road, knowing that it would disappoint those whom he loved, that he was dying to something. So that when we go through similar circumstances, not to say we're going to a cross, But the times where we have let others down, the times where people have been disappointed, the times where people just don't get it around us, that we wouldn't be subject to their pain, but that we would walk in victory because of what Jesus did. You see, Jesus was not just fully God, but he was fully man. Do you realize this today? Jesus was the Son of God, He came from heaven in the full identity of being God, but yet he was fully man. Philippians chapter 2 verses 5 through 11 says that we are to have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. 
Hebrews chapter 4.15 says, For we don't have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. What we need to say, see today as we go through these stories is that we have to recognize that Jesus knows what it's like to walk through this life as a man, as a human being. That Jesus felt the things that we feel. That he experienced many of the same emotions that we go through. And yet he walked through and gained victory for us so that we would have victory in our own lives. Uh, Maybe I'll say it this way. It feels like such a normal human reaction at times to feel misunderstood. To feel like nobody gets us, they don't understand what we're going through, nobody understands what we're dealing with, because we know our own inner life, we know our own thoughts, we know our own emotions, we know all of these things, and we think to ourselves, nobody else gets this. They don't just get, they don't get what I'm going through. Like, there is such a depth to my pain right now, they don't understand. And if we're not careful, we will take that very same feeling and we will apply it to God. That God doesn't understand where we're coming from. He doesn't understand what we're going through. Much like the the child who looks at his parents and says, you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what it's like to be me. You don't know what it's like to be my age. Somehow you just skip that part magically, right? But sometimes, and, and this is due to some of the messaging that has occurred in the church at times, we think that way about God. That God has this super high standard, and we talked about it last week, he does have a standard, but then when we don't meet it, he doesn't help us get there, but he puts shame and condemnation on us instead. We look at God and say, God, you don't get what I'm going through. You don't understand the pain, the trauma. You don't understand the shame of my past. You don't get it. And Jesus says, yes, I do. I don't know what it's like to fail, I don't know what it's like to sin, but I walked through this life. I know pain. I know abandonment. I know betrayal. I know hurt. I know what it is to reach out to humanity and to feel and to know and to experience their grief and everything that is going on inside of them, trying to tell them, you don't need a savior. You're not worthy of a savior. You don't deserve what God has for you. Jesus knows what it's like to walk through this earth, to walk this life, and to experience what we experience. Do we know that today? We have to walk out of today with the understanding that Jesus died for our sins and he rose again. But what I believe we have to know to a greater degree than ever before is that Jesus knows who we are. If we don't know this truth, then we will walk through life disconnected from God, knowing that there is an answer, but feeling like it can never be ours. You see, every step that Jesus took on his way to the throne was to establish his throne, but to establish our seat next to him, seated in heavenly places. As we continue to read this story, we continue to see Jesus walking through these moments of pain and hurt. Dying to the expectations of others and giving us the ability to live on the other side of it. 
You see, when we continue to read this story, we get to this point, and before we do, I just have to ask this question. Sometimes you feel like Jesus doesn't get you, but have you ever felt the grief of leaving what is known and familiar to walk into something that is unknown? Have you ever been in a season of life where you have to move on and you know it's going to be different than it ever has before? Maybe you've lost a loved one and you know that I'm walking into a time that's going to be really difficult. Where where you've lost your job and now you're going to have to step into a new season of faith. Have you ever walked out of a place knowing that things are not going to be the same that they used to be? You see, Jesus knows what that feels like. Matthew chapter 26, verses 26 through 29 says that now as they were eating, Jesus took the bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take and eat. This is my body. And he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood, the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I won't drink of this fruit again of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. This is a beautiful interaction between Jesus and his disciples. He's giving them the instructions for communion that we still follow today. This is amazing in every way. It's Jesus spending time with those that, we, that he loved. We call it the Last Supper. But can we also stop and recognize that for Jesus, this was death to life as he knew it. In this moment there would be no going back. He was speaking to those that he loved and telling them, this is the last time I'm going to drink of this cup with you. His friends, his disciples, the ones that he did life with, there was no going back to this again on this side of the cross. Can we just think about the fact that he's talking about Bread being broken, but also recognizing in that moment that in a very short amount of time, that wasn't symbolism. That was going to be his actual body. Think about this as Jesus is pouring out the wine and saying, this is the representation of my blood. But recognizing in a very short amount of time, that it would actually be his blood flowing out of his body. We don't think about these things because he was Jesus, he was God. He didn't have any difficult times. He didn't have any times where he he questioned. He didn't have any times where he experienced pain or grief. But we know that's not true. We know that he experienced these things because we're going to read on about the Garden of Gethsemane. But can we think about in this moment what he was going through and experiencing? And then tell me again how Jesus doesn't know the pain that you're going through. Jesus knows better than you could ever imagine. You see, he doesn't just know... But in the moment of being fully man, he was dying to the fear of the future that so many of us have felt. And in doing so, he was giving us victory and freedom over it. Have you ever felt let down before? That those around you may have failed you? Maybe in a great time of need. Jesus certainly did. 
Verse 36, Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and James and John, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. This is Jesus. Being sorrowful and troubled. And he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little further, he fell on his face and he prayed, saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. He returns back to his disciples twice to find them asleep. He says, wake up, guys. The the flesh, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. I need, you, I need you here. I need you to stand with me and to pray in this moment of, of turmoil. Jesus goes back to the Father two more times and he prays the same prayer. To me, this is such a picture. Imagine Jesus himself going to God three different times and saying, if it would be possible, let this cup pass from me. What was he experiencing in that moment? What was the pain that he was feeling, the grief and the sorrow? And yet those around him who said, we'll never leave you, Jesus. Don't worry, we got your back. Kind of like the times where we stand before Jesus and we say, Jesus, you can have it all. Jesus, we'll never leave you. Peter said, if everybody else deserts you, I'm not going anywhere. And yet in these moments, we see that Jesus experiencing the pain and maybe even the disappointment, the sadness of his friends not standing by his side, that even in this time of of experiencing this deep pain when his friends failed him miserably, that in going through this death before the cross, that he was actually dying to the reliance on the flesh. Both his own where he said, not my will, Father, but yours be done. But also any trust that would be put in the flesh, in other people, in other individuals. He was dying to to what was the reliance on the physical to show us what it was to put our trust and our hope in the supernatural. In dying to the flesh, he was giving us freedom over it. Have you ever felt not just let down but the actual sting of betrayal where someone you trusted in has taken something and used it against you where they've gone behind your back they've said words that you never could have imagined that they would say have you ever felt that pain many of us have well jesus knew it as well verses 47 through 49 while he was still speaking judas came one of the twelve And with him a great crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had given them a sign saying, The one I will kiss, this is the man, seize him. And he came up to Jesus at once and said, Greetings, Rabbi. And he kissed him. You see, while Jesus wasn't caught off guard by this, he spoke about this earlier in the chapter and said, the one who has his hand in the, in the dish with me, he's the one that's going to betray me. I still very much believe that he would have felt the sadness and the grief of this betrayal. I wonder, just for a moment, 
if Jesus, standing here before the men who were there to arrest him, thought for a second, I wonder how this looks on me. I wonder how this betrayal of somebody in my inner circle, of somebody who I have loved and invested in, someone is known as my follower, he's turned his back on me. I wonder what this says about me. Now, I wouldn't go so far as to say that Jesus actually felt that. But I know I would have. I know in that moment I would have questioned some things. What did I do wrong for this person to betray me this way? What are people going to think when they hear that one of my best friends has left me, abandoned me, and and handed me over to my enemy? See, Jesus felt and knew the despair of somebody betraying him, turning their back on him, and treating him in a way that he never deserved. And yet, in this process of being fully man, he was dying to the pain of betrayal and the shame that goes with it. And in doing so, he was giving us freedom over it. Have you ever felt what it's like to submit even when it feels completely unjust? I feel like my kids think this is the case sometimes. I'm going to listen to you, Dad, but I didn't do the thing you said that I did. My daughter doesn't ever say that. She says, Dad, she looked at me yesterday and she said, you're rude. I think she called me a cheapskate after that. Just a little backstory. Maybe we'll just lighten the mood just here for a moment. My daughter watched Home Alone over the Christmas season. And one of the great insults that they throw out there is that they call somebody a little cheapskate. For my daughter, this is the worst thing you could ever say to somebody. I don't know what she thinks it means, but when she tells you you're a little cheapskate, you know you messed up. You see, Jesus stood before the religious leaders. We're not going to read it all today. He stood before men whom were his creation created in the image and the likeness of his father. He knew everything about them. He could have exposed them in a moment. He could have said everything that they had ever done wrong. He could, have, he could have put them on blast, so to speak, and they would have been ashamed for what they had said. And yet he remained silent in the midst of it. What kind of savior is this? What kind of king is this? He remained silent in this moment, but in doing so, He was dying to his own will and he was giving us freedom over ours. In choosing in the moment when it was so difficult to continue to obey God, to follow his will, to trust in him above all else, he was dying to his own ability to say, this is what I want to do. And in doing so, he was giving us freedom in our own life over our own will that wants to do what it wants to do when it's subjected to the flesh and not to the spirit. He stands before the crowd and Peter cuts off the the centurion's ear or the guy's ear and I don't think he was a centurion, but he says, Peter, don't you know that I could call down 60,000 angels at this moment? Don't you know that like 
that all of heaven is just waiting. I say the word, they're here. And yet he remains silent. Verse 56 says, but all of this has taken place that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. And then all the disciples left him and fled. The pain of betrayal. The pain of being abandoned. Jesus stands here alone. I think we're beginning to see that whatever it is that we would go through on this earth, that Jesus experienced it and worse. That every excuse that we have to not follow after God because he just doesn't get it is null and void. You see, Jesus knows what it's like to walk on this earth, to have pain, to be, to be cast aside and, and to be violated in ways, to be able to, to, to have his closest friends and those that he loved to leave him and abandon him before he ever even got to the cross. What is it that you have gone through in your life? What is the situation that you have dealt with that you have held in a place to say, this is why I can't fully trust God? This is why I can't fully give my heart to Him. Nobody understands what I'm going through. See, Jesus was abandoned by the disciples, but it wasn't even that because we continue to read and we know that as Jesus goes before the Jewish leaders, he goes before Caiaphas, he goes before Pilate, he goes before the people, they continue to say, this is not our king. This is not our God. This is not our savior. We want you to release Barabbas. We want you to release the criminal. We want you to crucify this man. That as all this was happening, Jesus was continually being betrayed, being rejected by man. And yet he continued to go forward because he knew what was ahead of him. Imagine standing there in front of the men who hate you. And yet as Jesus died to the approval and the judgment of man, he was giving us freedom over it. He was giving us freedom over anything that man could ever throw our way. We know the story. Peter comes close to Jesus, at least, or at least in the same vicinity. And what does Peter do? The one who says, I'll never deny you, Jesus. Three times. I don't know who he is. I don't know this man. You've got it mistaken. Not me. I wasn't following after him. The rooster crows three times and Jesus looks at him. And yes, while I firmly believe that Jesus was not looking at him in judgment or condemnation, I still recognize the hurt that must have been in Jesus' heart. Knowing that one of his inner circle would look around and say, I don't know this man. He was abandoned. He was rejected. Isaiah 53 says that he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. What kind of king would go through this at the hands of his own creation? What kind of king would go through this for those that he loved to serve them as they rejected him? To hear them boldly declare, we have no king but Caesar. Jesus knew what it was to be hurt, to be abandoned, to be on the cross, and to say these words, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
Have you ever felt disconnected from God? Have you ever felt that your relationship with Him has been severed? Have you ever felt abandoned even by God? Jesus, on the cross, enduring the worst pain ever imaginable, taking on the weight of sin and shame, cries these words out, God, where are you? Knowing that God had never gone anywhere, but the the full weight of the sin and the shame that he was carrying on his shoulders, knowing that pain, knowing that hurt. You see, he was the king, and yet he was fully man, and he at that moment was dying to fear, to shame, to doubt, and to abandonment. Not only from man, but in some ways from God. And in doing so, he was giving us freedom over every feeling, every, every emotion, every situation, and every trial that we could ever experience. You see, every step that this Savior took on the way to the cross was for you, and it was for me. Not only for our place in eternity, not just forever after this earth, but while we walk on this planet, step by step, experiencing both the joy and the pain of this life. When we get to verse 50, and we see that he had completed everything that he had been sent to do, he cries out in a loud voice on the cross, and he says, it is finished. That every weight, that every piece of pain and shame and guilt, every piece of sorrow, every place where there has been disconnection, every place where you have felt that there was no hope, where there was no answer, where there was no future, Jesus took that weight on his back. He took the nails in his hands, the crown of thorns on his head, And he cried out for all of humanity to hear, but even more so for the kingdom of darkness to hear that it is now finished. 